happen. I feel like people are are not unmotivated. They're just unclear. I, I just, you know, to be honest, I meet so many people that they really want to work and make it work. They're just not sure what the what the the tasks are. And that's what you were saying earlier in the in the call. Chris, tell me exactly step by step how to do it. But the thing is to the e-commerce momentum podcast where we focus on the people the products and the process of e-commerce selling today here's your host steven peterson hey just wanted to talk about a couple of sponsors uh today um it's funny as i was coming back from the uh, philly gift show uh this week and i was thinking about um the way i use sponsors for the uh wholesale accounts that i got at this event and it's like okay right on the scope uh, from seller labs and i immediately look up keywords again if you're looking at products if you're if you're at a trade show and you're going to bring some wholesale products to market right this pertains to um, private label of course too but even wholesale you can take um, an existing product <clears throat> excuse me and find better keywords so it's on amazon it looks okay you know obviously the photos need to be improved your titles blah 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 but the title doesn't just get improved to be poetic genius it has to get a, a, a improved to be what customers are looking for buyers are looking for certain things and the way you do it is you find what buyers are looking for and that's what scope is all about so you take a similar product the top products and you see what keywords they're using, and then you go and adjust this title in these new wholesale accounts that I got. That's how you help a brand improve. And again, if you're not helping that brand improve, good luck trying to keep it because somebody else is going to come along, somebody like me, and no offense, I'm going to come and say, hey, I can help fix that. And so again, that's what I use scope for. Um, and we use it on private label, we use it on bundles, we use it on all these different things. And um, it's, it's amazing when you look at what's working and you do the same thing. That's the proof, okay? So go to sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code momentum, save 50 bucks. Um, and, and try it the way I'm doing it. Again, if you have listings, even if they're wholesale accounts, improve the photos, right? But you got to get the right keywords. You got to match what people are searching for, and the way to do it is to find your their competitor who's really doing it right, and then emulate them. That's what Scope allows you to do. So again, sellerlabs.com forward slash Scope. Let me know how it goes because it's it's pretty awesome. Second one is you know the other thing is Karen Locker um, Solutions for e-commerce. It's funny. Um, I was talking to some vendors, and we're talking about different things, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll have the photos fixed, and I'll do this and that. And there was an example of one with some gloves. And they didn't have the lifestyle photos. They had pictures of their tags. And I'm like, you know, I didn't want to offend anyone. You got to be really cautious about that. And so I'm like, on their in their display booth, they have these great lifestyle photos. I'm like, those are the extra photos you should have in there. And they're looking at me. I'm like, you want experience. You're young guys. You want a life as an experience. Why do you have them here so people can understand what they are? Well, you should take the same approach in Amazon. And we're all like, duh, of course, right? Because that's our world. But for these guys, they just didn't know. And so again, my point here is I'll just have Karen Locker fix that stuff. I send it to Karen. Boom, she uploads that stuff for me. She builds all kinds of uh, flat files for me and does all that stuff. That's why I use her service. That's why I loot. I like solutionsforecommerce.com. So it's solutions, the number four, ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. And you're going to save 50 bucks by, by using it. And again, that's how you scale. That's adding to our team. We have those members of our team, and they're not located here in my town in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. She's located in 
way up north in the tundra. And yet, those services are available to you. I don't care where you are, all around the world. And that's why I use her. So save 50 bucks. Let her do an inventory health report for you. It's a great thing to do. Uh, Q1 is here. Q5, I like to call it. As things are still selling, but you got to purge this stuff. you got to get reset. And that's why I use that. So it's funny. I was thinking about that on the drive home, how I apply those right directly to accounts that I got immediately. That's what you can do, do, uh, do too. So solutions for e-commerce forward slash momentum, uh, solutions for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum. Save the 50 bucks. Tell Karen I sent you. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast, episode 370, new year, new start. Um, and man, what a great interview to start it with, Chris Lynn. And what excites me about this episode is he is, and I, and I, you know, I guess I, uh, fanboy him a little bit about his execution stuff because it's very exciting to me. I think back to grad school and and them teaching you how to think. That's what my MBA taught me, right? They taught you how to think, right? Break down an, uh, an item, pull out all the seasonalities, what the term they used to use back in the old days when we did it before Excel, and then, you know, rebuild it and put it back together, right? He does that on every single technique. And at the end of the call, we kind of get into some some real nuts and bolts about how he approaches that and then how he's using that in pretty much every part of his life. I think there's so much value. If you're overweight, me, trying to lose weight, right? So you go on a diet. Well, no, there's more. I call it now a recipe. My life is a recipe. And so I've got to continue to fine-tune it, right? Adding and subtracting different things in certain quantities, measured quantities. Well, I think Chris is a perfect example of somebody who's done it not right every single time. And he'll say that, right? And that's part of it, being willing to say, you know what? This isn't working. I'm going to change what I'm doing. That's what the keto diet for me, for a good example. What I was doing wasn't working, so I'm going to try this other thing. And so far, it's connected with me. Okay, is it for everybody? No. But again, being willing to look at yourself, being honest with yourself, I think it's I think it's healthy. And I think Chris is a great example to start us out this new year to really start working on your business. You know that E-Myth model. Really start working on your business by working on yourself. And yourself sometimes isn't the easiest to work with, at least myself, Steve. So let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. We're excited about today's return guest. And it's funny, it's been a year and a half uh, since I've had him on the show. So it's a guy, we'll narrow it down that way. And back then, I called him, I look back at my notes, a process engineer. Because at that time, I saw somebody who could take... He could, uh, yeah, I think back to grad school, the way you could take something, pull it apart, figure it out, and then reassemble it um, to make sense. That's what he was doing a year and a half ago, and it's scaled so much, and he's gotten so much better at it. It's phenomenal, and I just think this is the way we start off 2019 with Chris Lynn. Welcome back, Chris. Thank you so much for having me again. Well, I mean, everything I said there, um, and, and we've communicated a couple times in between then, and it's it's the God's honest truth. I watch you on your show, Daily Refinement, uh, YouTube show, that's the correct term, right? Daily Refinement. Yes. I watch you because you want to refine yourself every single day, right? You want to refine your process. You want to refine your life every single day. Mm-hmm. And that continuous improvement it's so noticeable, um, and it's just so cool to sit back and watch, because I think you're probably the best executioner I have seen, by far. By far. Well, and, 
I mean, that's, that. that's, that's fair. I, I think anybody else would agree with me. I think that's absolutely fair. How, I mean, do you think about this? I have a good friend who said this to me. He said about himself, he's like, look, if I had to clean bathrooms for a living, I would be so good at it because I would take so much pride because that's what I have to do. I always take pride in my work. Do you think that's one of the things that you have? Because this skill could be transferable to any any business. I mean, do you think that's your best skill? I think if I have a set of constraints, that's my best skill. Oh. If someone can give me, someone can present a set of constraints and what they have to work with, I think it's easier for me to process and figure out how to optimize that, like being a great janitor, for an example. I think personally, I run into trouble because there's so few parameters when you're doing online e-commerce. There are so many people making money so many different ways. It's very difficult to just pick one thing to optimize. So I find myself being a janitor and um, you know, a lifeguard. <laughs> They're not related at all. And, um, you know, it's distracting. And so that's been my challenge. But I definitely think that if I had some constraints, that's why it, I find it easier to help other people than myself, because usually they have a set of parameters they're working with. And I agree with you there. Um, I'm my biggest uh, challenge in our business. There's no doubt. Uh, and mine is, it's not so much a shiny object syndrome. It's just that when I watch you, for example, I just see so many other opportunities. I'm like, oh yeah. And my knowledge or my vision gets expanded. And I don't know that that's a bad thing, but it does then distract me from all that I was. Doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How do you, how do you handle that then? I mean, do you have to step away from, you know, getting information sometimes? Gary Vee says that sometimes. He's like, look, I'm not listening to anybody else. I'm doing my own thing. How about you? I have noticed that. Um, the wealthiest person I know reads the same book over and over again until he's convinced there are no more concepts left in the book to integrate. Um, and sometimes it's a book a year. Really? Um, and, then, and then you hear other people reading two books a week or just this overflow of information and all the time you hear. So for me, I think the key is the, the essentialism, which is the art of um, doing less but more meaningful work. Mm. And I, I have noticed this as I, I meet a lot of Amazon eBay sellers and I find a lot of disillusioned um, Amazon sellers who get so deep into the numbers and, um, Excel spreadsheets that they they don't have any sense of meaning. They don't they, they're not producing the product. They're not selling the product. Amazon is doing that. They don't know any of their customers, and now they don't know anyone because they lock themselves in a in a room for a year and a half to figure it out. And they they pop out and they're just like very confused where they are, even if they come out financially ahead. So I think for me, I'm just trying to think. The hierarchy has to be people first, and that changes a lot of how you work because if you optimize for people and spare time with people, you have to change your business. That's been what's affected me the most. The, the most, the fastest ways to earn money directly conflict with hmm. having a, a, a happy, balanced life. That's why they say there's not a, a, really a balance if you want to succeed to the highest degree because it's so time consuming. I have a friend who always says there's a cost to everything. 
Mm-hmm. Always a cost, no matter what. It might be time, might be money, uh, might be relationships. So, so if you had to pick your order of priority, relationship is higher than your business. Yes. Yeah, so my hierarchy goes uh, myself first, and I didn't. Uh, that's just recent um, because mm-hmm. I joined a I joined a very powerful mastermind group, um, and that pretty much every person in the group earned a million dollars or more a year. And earned a million, not sold a million. Earned a million, okay. one million income or higher. And mm-hmm. they had extremely poor health, with very few exceptions. Really. Um, and it wasn't. It's not. You can be rich and healthy, but it was just that they did. They were not that. They so were wait, wait, in the mental group. health and physical health, or physical health only. So um, this is the 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 general topic of each call was. Um, going home to a house full of strangers mm-hmm. um, and then feeling so uncomfortable that they would go back to work. So, so, I, so some I people call imagine. them successful because they're driven and that, you know, they have, they're top of the pack, the one percenters, right? All the money. Um, but then this, you know, what happens is from what I have seen, when you usually earning more income is a result of more responsibilities and a your your job is more valuable. Maybe you're managing five people and five people's work will always be more than just one person's work, but then you have five people to take care of. Um, and there's a, there's a balance of having working by yourself and absorbing everything versus having a on, on the other side of the spectrum would be a gigantic team of people. And um, there there are some people, and I would consider this the highest level of entrepreneur, where you could create an organization where the people in your organization grow your organization, that that's very rare. I mean, I, I don't, I have never, I've never met a person in real life that has done that. But that's what, those are the businesses I feel would be the most um, rewarding because you're creating a machine that creates more and more value over time without you. That's that's extremely difficult. I mean, there's the four-hour work week of designing a business that works and makes the money that you need, but that's very selfishly oriented versus a company that you already have plenty of money. The, the, the company that you make creates more and more jobs and value for the, for the world without you. The, and, and then you have to hire people that can grow your company instead of just hiring people that can fulfill a role. And that's incredibly rare. And in, in our industry of reselling, I haven't seen it once. I don't know anybody that's created a company that grows year over year without them being there. Mm. Like that's extremely uncommon. So, so when you look, if we, let's continue to profile this group of, in this mastermind um, and, and obviously mm-hmm. don't offend anyone, but, but just so, uh, men mostly. Well, uh, 90% men. Okay. 90% men, white men, mm-hmm. 90% uh, with Caucasian. Yeah, I would say, men, I would, I would say, say hundred percent Caucasian. Okay, hundred percent Caucasian. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, okay, so hundred percent Caucasian men. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me guess. Bald, overweight. Uh, like you say, probably. Uh, let me ask this: Would you say they are um, married on their first marriage? Would you say if you're thinking about it? One hundred percent married. On their first marriage. Hmm. And do you think yes. there's fidelity? I, 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 I would say 100% fidelity, very, very oh, loyal cool. type people. Okay. Um, however, I, I don't think you can achieve this type of 
financial business success without a supportive partner like this. Mm-hmm. It is not, it's, not, it's not possible. Actually, I know it's not possible because you have to worry about so many things. If you have a supportive partner that takes care of everything and you, just, you can just work all day, that's totally different. Yeah, so basically single parents where she's doing all the work uh, um, in this scenario. So- and I have an unpopular opinion before I go, just for a second. I, I meet some um, – I think it's if you are um, – I live in the Bay Area. Here mm-hmm. it's not uncommon for women to earn six figures or more. So when I hear girl power or women taking control, that's very common where I live. So I'm kind of – I kind of look through a different – set of glasses because I see people of any gender making a lot of, of income. But there's also something here that I see that's, that's not uncommon. I mean, that's, I feel uncommon. I see women who are earning six figures leave work to just to, to be family only. They transition from earning a great living to earning zero living and just being at home with, with their family. They make that, that very dramatic switch but i i don't meet very many men who do that yeah. once their career starts taking off I, I don't i rarely meet them turn it all off and just go family oriented well that's the male so measurement tool yeah. though right is your it's job and your, tool, yes. your yeah i mean that's it right hey you know hey chris what's the first thing we always say is guys hey what do you do for a living exactly right? not mm-hmm. hey uh what kind of dad are you or how how good of a dad are you or how good of a husband or boyfriend or son right mm-hmm. we never talk about those things um hmm. so so back to this group so you join this group because you want to be a million dollar income earner is that the theory was that was that what you thought when you started it yeah yes because i heard you are the average of your you are the average everything of your five biggest uh, people you spend the time with. So average income, average weight, average lifestyle, average health. And I looked at the average of my five closest friends and decided um, I'm going to just, I just want to switch it up and see what happens. If I, if I plug in five people who earn seven figures, what is the difference between them and myself? And so let's just unpack that a little bit more because I think this is fascinating. So you put yourself, you know, this, it, Tony Robbins would say, you got to change your state, right? So you right. completely changed your state by taking yourself out of your circle, which probably wasn't a bad circle, but it just wasn't that circle. And you put, you injected yourself into this circle looking for that piece that was missing from you earning that million dollars. And, and again, that's not a criticism that you probably couldn't have made it on your own. I don't mean it that way, but you, 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 intention, you were intentional here, which I think is fascinating. Um, what you expected versus what you got so far. Can you talk about that? Sure. So to get a a, a very, very basic understanding of how I immediately noticed the difference was, um, these, this group earns roughly $500 an hour. Hmm. Okay. So at $500 an hour, that's probably not a right away. I noticed none of them are thinking about nine to fives. They've, Unless you are literally a surgeon or a rocket scientist. Or not a really high-end deep, lawyer. Well, high-end lawyer or an executive, right, which is so few people. It's like only a couple hundred thousand individuals out of 300 million are in that category, right? So none of them were um, CEOs of, of public companies, but they're mainly CEOs of small, medium-sized businesses. The highest earner had a company of around 200 employees. Um, and that gentleman was in great shape and had a great family life. So it is possible. It's just uncommon. So he had an infrastructure, though. 
he had a, he had an infrastructure and he also had very strict rules. So he was disciplined to say like at a certain period of time he would go back and um, that that would be it for work. There'd be a hard cutoff time, mm-hmm. and I think that's not easy because um, especially growing a company, you're the person responsible when anything goes wrong. So your whole company has to wait for you to come back from from hanging out with your family. So that's very incredible to be able to set up processes where your business doesn't fall apart as soon as you walk away. Um, but right now technology is to the point where his systems are so clean that other people can problem solve. And I think that's, you know, that's the, that is one of the most beneficial things of reading stuff like the Tim hour or the four hour work week where he talks about under a certain dollar amount, just have your staff take care of it. If it's under a hundred dollar issue, have them handle it. If it's, and then you go to the point where if it's a $10,000 issue, that's still below your pay grade and you have somebody else just take care of it. At that point, you can really take some time, but then building it up to that stage requires, um, it requires also being okay with a small profit margin. Hmm. That's well, something small that is relative, are, are, right? So if you're making a million dollars and you say, well, you know, Chris, we're going to have to cut your pay down to a half a million dollars. You know, that's relative, right? In the Bay Area, right. that's still a lot of money, but it's not life-changing. In no. um, Alabama, you know, you're the richest guy in town, right? I mean, so let me ask you this. When you, when you, so that was something you thought and what you saw. Is it mm-hmm. possible today in the phase of e-commerce, which is new, still new, I don't care what anybody says, it's completely new. It's completely um, new. I agree. Is it possible to get there now in this business that's just getting, it's not even organized yet, you know what I mean? Because you, you watch, look at Amazon, for example, right? They've made hundreds if not thousands of changes in the last four years, because they have to, because it's evolving, right? Walmart mm-hmm. would be another good example. Uh, Craigslist would be a good example of something that hasn't changed, and you see what's happened to them. So in this phase, especially in your business, could you get to that place now? Is that a reasonable expectation? Absolutely. And here's, here's oh, one do. of the biggest indicators. You think it is? I, I, I think it's – I okay. Huh. This is this is a very unpopular opinion. I did not. I would not I, have thought I, you would say I, that. Just I, so you actually, know. I actually think right now is the easiest time to start e-commerce for a couple of reasons. The first one is it it is technologically heavy, okay. Which means that if you have t- tools and systems in place, you can leverage technology which didn't exist before. Like to the to the um, degree of, I was watching um, a major clothing retailer. Um, talk about right now they have, you know, when in their online warehouses, when, when things are moving online, there's basically only a few positions. And one of the positions is a person will take a clothing article and inventory it into the system. This is the same no matter what you're selling, really. You get an item, you have to enter into your inventory system. That system is being automated. I, I couldn't believe it. There is a mm-hmm. robot they can reach into a pile of items, pull it out, identify it, and turn it into the computer, package it, and put it back, put it away. They, they they even erased that person's job. So my point is, there it's the the um, I feel technology is moving the um, the divide a little bit. It's 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 increasing the barrier to entry, but 
you can make the technology right now because it's so early. And this is the this is the huge indicator. eBay is the second largest um, reselling platform next to Amazon. And I go there sometimes to do like um, basically give my opinion on different features that, that come out. And there is so little technology to help sellers, to be honest. Most of it is you have to make your own system. When I went to on eBay, eBay Open, yeah. on eBay, mm -hmm. on eBay, when I went to eBay Open and I talked to seven, eight-figure sellers, they said, Chris, every single thing we use is custom. We built everything from, from scratch like because we sell different items than you or versus that seller. So we had to make our own system. And that really got the gears turning because I was like, wow, you know, something – you know, eBay has been around for 20, over 20 years, and there's still not tools that are universally useful, really. You know, like the, it's, it, everyone's business is just so different. And so that gives me hope because it's a higher barrier of entry to get started, which I think makes it easier for people who are really motivated. As I've been doing this for a year and a half, it's gotten easier, not harder to make money. No, I agree. But that, again, it's because of your, process engineer skills to me you're you know so let's just use it let's stay with ebay all those barriers right and, and it's easier those of us who've been selling forever on ebay would still say it's easier today than what it was however just as you said there's not many tools consistent tools to help make it easier to list and all the bottleneck points right to ship mm -hmm. and there's no inventory there's no accounting none of that stuff right um however that didn't stop you Right, you have how many eBay accounts do you have? Three. Three. One of them, I heard you say, and I had to. I think I rewounded it when I heard you say, is that you're limited because you hit their threshold of dollar value that you're allowed to have on an eBay account. Correct? Yeah, you can't live. Or I mean, um, be, and that's partially because of Web Interpret. But yeah, I'm, I'm limited by the amount that they allow you to list. And so that didn't just magically happen, despite eBay not being a technology company, which is what they should be, but they're not, correct? eBay is, I think that I am okay with eBay being in the business of earning fees. I don't understand why people have an expectation beyond that, because they don't work for us. Oh, no, I get we, that. We, and I think that when I... I think that attitude has helped me so much because I'm already assuming that eBay is doing their job when they charge the most fees and people don't quit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm no, like, I, you guys, you guys are doing a great job. So I think that mentality versus why are they doing these things to hurt us? I think that mentality is very toxic and very common in the reselling community versus we're trying to maximize profit. Why wouldn't they try to maximize profit? I, I, I like that that are trying to do that because I feel like if you go to eBay, no one looks stressed out. It looks like they earn more than enough profit. And that's not the case. And most of the startups in the Bay Area, everyone looks like they haven't slept in days. Like, you know, th their company has never been profitable. They're always having to raise rounds of money just to stay open. eBay looks completely fine they look like they're just chilling there's no because they're in the business of fees they're not trying to they're not trying to tackle inventory or you know competing against their sellers like amazon it's very low-key they just do one thing which is provide a platform connect two people and then charge 
Well, I, I, you and I agree 100%. I mean, I, I, they have to stay in business, so therefore they're going to charge what the market will allow them to charge. That's a good business, right? Hence the reason mm-hmm. I charge as much as I can for my products when I sell them because we mm-hmm. want to make as much as we possibly can. They should do the same. My point is this. All those barriers that they put up in front of you because they're not investing in the technology hasn't stopped you. It's to encouraged me, me. Yeah. To me, that's the opportunity. I, I think you said the same thing. That's the opportunity is the fact that it, it is challenging. That's a barrier to entry for competition. And as long as you have a process to get around that, you win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you definitely win. If you are on the side, and I feel like it's being more and more dramatic, like the division between rich and poor is so staggering because I see um, the tools for research and I meet younger resellers who don't have any bad habits or any preconceptions of um, what they can or can't do. And I'm just so, I'm so inspired when I meet someone who's, you know, a 15 year old reseller that says, yeah. Uh, I don't need my parents to buy me a car because I can just buy one myself. I'm like, that didn't even occur to me really at that young of an age that I could be self-supporting. Well, what would you have done? Cut lawns? I mean, think about it. Right back then, you would have you wouldn't have had the opportunity that you have now. You would have sold, you know, lemonade, paper or route or something. Yeah, right. Exactly. You couldn't earn this kind of money. Um, now, you know, the other thing, and I, I say this all the time, is they they don't have the fear of the computer systems that we do, right? You know, oh, I don't, right. I won't, you know, my parents won't put their credit card in the system. I have to buy for my mom on Amazon still because she's so fearful about getting it, you know, well, it's going to get hacked because that's what she mm-hmm. believes, right? So I have to sure. buy it anytime they want anything, and then they send me the payment. It's like, no, nah, you don't work. But my son, they think nothing of it. They, oh, we need this? Because they don't have that learning curve because they're thinking of it as a database. When they, we sell on Poshmark too, like you, and they just immediately like, oh, we just do it this way. Oh, yeah, a little bit of a different question. Boom, we could just answer this, and they move on. Hmm. I showed my son yesterday Cellhound um, for right. research. And he was like, what? Because he knows the old school way because we've been doing it for years. eBay, sold this thing, sorted, blah, 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 blah. I'm mm-hmm. like, uh, for these smaller priced items, just use this. And he's like, what? Cellhound? Never saw it before. And it just changed the game because now all of a sudden we can speed up. Because we're the bottleneck in our business. I don't know about you, but listing, we're it. We could ship gazillions of things. we got space, more space than we ever need. But mm-hmm. listing is a limit. And so whatever we can do to make that more efficient um, and so when I, when I exposed him to that, all of a sudden I saw his productivity go up. It's pretty cool. And when I saw Cellhound, um, this is such an interesting concept because when I look at Cellhound and I've met the owners and the founders cause they're, they're local. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I see that, I feel like I can make that when I see software now, um, because of the amazing network of, of, uh, contractors as people move home and these smart developers are are making their own solutions to things there's so many people scratching their own itch online when I see something like Cellhound and the design is okay we're going to list things on different platforms for you and I think great that's very cool that is the um, that's problem solving 101 and that's, that's, that's the part of my business that I enjoy the most but I, I literally could look at what they do and then post that description. So the, uh, a company will say, we, are, we exist so that we can help you ABC. You can now post that online. I want to do ABC in my business, and someone will make that for your company. 
that 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 there's that did not exist even I, I don't know how I feel like this is amazingly new and you can afford it you can afford someone to make a solution for you for your company now and I think that all these companies are it's it's becoming insanely efficient because they're going to have to compete with people doing it themselves now people with no background in programming like myself I have programs that somebody else built for me because I know what they're supposed to do. I think your ability to articulate what you want, that's the gift, right? Because like you say, it's the there's a commodity to programming now. Mm -hmm. It's not hard to find, right? It's just dollars. And they're accessible 24 hours a day because they're all around the world, right? Mm -hmm. But your ability to articulate what you want and get that done, that's where most people hit the roadblock. If you have that, Ooh, there's no stopping you. And again, I also want to it didn't, add it, it didn't, it did just didn't exist not long ago. I want to add one more thing, which I think will be useful for people when you're trying to make something. There's, there's three things they always say when you're programming. You can have two of the three, and one is you can have it be fast, cheap, or well built. And I feel like this is a great analogy for everything in your reselling business: cheap, well built. Um, and fast. Those are the three sort of parameters you're working with. So for example, if you have the time, um, you can get cheap, well-built software. It just takes longer because you have to use lower per hour people to design it for you. Uh, if you have unlimited money, of course, you can pay the best developers in the world to make really concise solutions. You know, that would be the, the difference between researching for an entire month, going to China, to, to, and then going to South America and then trying to research um, manufacturers in the United States, fully looking through an entire industry to find a niche, building an exact product for that niche from you. That is would be the most expensive way you could resell something. Mm. right? And that would be the most expensive and take the most time versus you could just get a random item that's selling really well already but you're probably not going to earn a high margin. So it's kind of it's just amazing looking at that whole model. And then you can, and this is also what I want to roll back to the lifestyle thing. You get to build your own life so you can decide what you want to sell. I think, well, and the way you want to sell it. I think that's and the, the way other, you want to sell it. The big piece mm -hmm. of the, um, because you're, you're a much more eBay guy than an Amazon guy. Fair? That's fair. Okay. And that's not a criticism. That's because. For some reason, you connected so well with eBay. Maybe it is location. Maybe it is opportunity. Maybe it's because you saw it first, I guess. I don't know. But for whatever reason, you adapted. Maybe it's back to what you said. Is because that there's not the same technology, That's the you see the opportunity? I had Dallas Moore on again, and Dallas Moore told me this years ago. He was like, Steve, the biggest, eBay, uh, the biggest opportunity I see is in eBay, not Amazon at that time. When all my friends, you know, and you know my friends, 100% mm -hmm. Amazon, and they're selling millions, and don't get me wrong, they're doing really well with it. But for him, he saw the biggest opportunity in eBay, and he's just crushed it. He's another outlier like you. I, I feel the same way because competition is much weaker. The, um, the way eBay is set up, um, I don't think it's designed for larger sellers. They they rotate traffic. They don't protect the pricing. And so if you are a large seller with a lot of overhead, you don't want to sell on eBay because they don't protect the pricing. You, you the, the pricing 
you could be selling something for a hundred dollars and the market is 110 and MSRP is 150 and you have to wait for everyone who's selling it for $75 to sell out before you, you, you get any traffic and they rotate it. It's, it's very fuzzy and I don't think it's that friendly for larger sellers. So that, that's why I like being in the, in there because I feel like the, um, it's the, the size of the pond you want to fish in. I feel like it's sort of uh, less competition on eBay. Because people are, yeah, it's designed for smart sellers. I, I've seen you say that about Poshmark too, is that your execution is, and it's, it's not an ego thing. Somebody might see it as an ego thing, but it's true. I mean, you've earned it, is your execution is so much better because you're going to make sure your photos are the right. You're going to make sure your titles are right. You're going to make sure the description's right, and you're going to price it right because you bought it right. So therefore, all those things are winnable. And together, they're almost unstoppable. You said that about Poshmark too, correct? Yes, and that was heavily criticized. But that, that's really the point because the, when I look at the competition on Poshmark, and, and here's, here's a, another dead giveaway. They don't issue a 1099. The, and they don't issue a 1099 because they're, they're built for people who sell stuff out of their closet. Uh -huh. that, that, that's who you're competing against when you are on Poshmark. You, your occupation is to sell things versus people who are just selling things out of their closet versus there are millions of full-time people on eBay and Amazon that that's their income. That's, you're competing against people who work 24-7 in the Gary Vee world of he's always saying you're competing against people who work 24-7. You are. So, but that is less the case on smaller platforms designed to help people earn extra cash. Even Mercari issues a 1099. And so therein lies the opportunity, right? So that's what mm -hmm. you're saying is that if you if you approach this the right way with process, therein lies. All right, let's give some honest help to people who want to get processed. You know, because sure. it's the number one thing that I hear from all the outliers that I've interviewed. SOPs, Steve. You got to have SOPs, right? But how many people have SOPs, right? Do you you so let I, I know the answer, so I don't want to ask a stupid question. So let's start with how does somebody who has no process start building process? This is, this is a great question, and this is actually probably my best skill. So I will make some videos and also discuss right, right now some ideas on how to do this. So here's an example. There is um, a website called Vinted. And they sell new and pre-owned clothing as well. And so somebody asked me, how would you build an SOP? I'm like, great, let's start with Vinted. I've never used Vinted before. Let's build the process for how to do it. So the first thing is you're going to have to um, set up an account, banking, et cetera. Once your profile is set up, now you have to list an item. So this is how I break it down. What are the requirements to list an item? And I will write this down on a legal pad. And the item specifics are pretty much the same on every single platform, which is the title. You need to describe it so people can find it. The uh, photos, the description, uh, the size or dimensions of the item, uh, the condition. And so what I do is I actually number these things. So I like know... Like fields, like, like a programmer like, would. These are actual like, like fields. Fi like fields. Hmm. And so, if, so as an example, on eBay, there are 11 fields that I add in, but on Poshmark, there are only eight fields that I add in. I know this because I counted them. So now I know 11 and eight. And then when I'm making a checklist for somebody else to do it, I can say, what are the eight things? Are all eight things in the Poshmark listing or all 11 things in the eBay listing there? And they can double check. And then 
they can also easily say, what about this one? And if I haven't added it, I will go back to my SOP and um, add number 12. And now there's an additional thing that I do in that process. So on Vinted, I was giving an example with, with somebody in my group. Let's go through it. And so they had a, a couple of other different um, diff the, the layout was different. So for example, on eBay, it looks very much like an Excel spreadsheet with photos is what the listing format looks like when you're listing an item. On Vinted, it's different. They have drop-down menus. So when you click women's, then it populates all the women's categories. Then when you click the women's category, it populates all the subcategories instead of um, on eBay where it's just one giant uh, list of fields. On TradeZ, or on Vinted, it's just like slowly pops up one at a time. So for this process, I was just thinking, okay, step one, enter this in. Step two, enter this in. Step three, enter this in. Then when you're done, the easiest way to um, to do it, in my opinion, is a is literally a legal pad. And then don't listen to any content while you're trying to build this because it will distract you. So listen to, I, this is so strange, but I list, literally listen to like rain. I have a rain soundtrack on my mm. on my uh, thing, so it blocks out any out outside noise because you have to concentrate and literally write down all the individual steps. And the best book I can recommend is the Checklist Manifesto, and it, it's it's a, a gentleman that makes checklists so that doctors don't kill people because for them it is a matter of life or death that they forget a step they can't forget a step when they're putting you back together well let's and pause a second i want i want to yeah. pause here a second because yeah. you this this seriousness that you're approaching this right when you mm -hmm. think about outliers right i mean it, when this seriousness that you're giving this subject is the reason your sales are what your sales fair that's fair I mean, yes. it's not like, you know, uh, you didn't invent this, right? You're just paying no. attention to every little detail. And I think, so it's not a volume issue as much of it, because if you sell, you know, 50% of your inventory versus me that sells 10% of my inventory, you're going to win, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're both, let's assume, assume we're equals and we can list the same amount. You're going to win just because uh, you're paying attention to every one of those key fields. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And so I don't want to miss that. I just want people to hear that slow down to take care of this is the best way to increase your sales. Is that fair? That absolutely. And mm -hmm. th that goes back to another thing that I say in some of my videos which is clarity is what your significant other 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 wants and what you want. It's not volume. People think that growing their business is what they want. That's not what you want. You actually want clarity because Every time you help somebody clarify what they're doing, they feel better. And this is why um, I think people feel odd when people ask them, what do you do? And you say you sell stuff on eBay. It sounds when you think of an eBay seller, you think of a person who randomly does things. But for me, it's not random. So I don't feel I can explain exactly what I'm doing day to day. And, I, and I, I like being able to articulate what it looks like. And that gives me a sense of being. So I think people, what you're, you know, when you wake up, what are you looking for? I think you're looking for clarity. And if you can sit down for, you know, they are, well, I, I think it's Warren Buffett calls it assiduity. Sit your ass in a chair and just figure it out <laughs> what exactly what you're doing. 
And then if you know what you're doing, you can always fix it. And that is like the most, and speaking on another, another thing that I really love about other people is I love when people are clear. It's, it's such a, it's a turn on. You want to be around people who are clear because they, um, they're more motivated and driven. I feel like people are, are not unmotivated. They're just unclear. I, I just, you know, to be honest, I meet so many people that they really want to work and make it work. They're just not sure what the, what the, the tasks are. And that's what you were saying earlier in the, in the call. Chris, tell me exactly step-by-step step how to do it. But the thing is, I, I can tell you how to step-by-step step do it. You just have to write down your steps, then ask people, what do you think? And people will tell. And if you want to get, you know, punched in the face, talk about it online, because now it's free. It's free range for people to criticize you, which is with keyboard I think, muscles. Yeah, keyboard muscles. Really keyboard help. muscles. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so back to this again. So, so the advice again is to mark down Steve. Let's just take Steve. So go through my steps, and then I can compare them against yours, and and then look at the difference, right? The delta between them, and say, hmm. Why are they different? Am I that much better? Am I that much smarter? Or is Chris that much better or that much smarter? And take the ego out of it and be willing to try it to say, huh. It's, it's, I always use this example. So I was the controller of a company at the time, not the CFO. And the CFO who brought me in there, I couldn't, whatever the problem was, I couldn't do it. I couldn't figure it out. And then he just walks in my office and he goes, oh, it's, it's right there. And I thought to myself, how the heck did he say, I've been staring at this thing. I've got the same education. I'm smart, you know. And he didn't have all the junk that was on my desk interfering with it, all the stuff that I knew. He was able to clarify and just immediately walk through. He didn't see the, the trees and all that jazz. Well, mm-hmm. over the years, I gained that same skill set. And so it's, it's very, it's, it's hard <laughs> to accept that. But man, once you do, and you take that other person's advice or whatever, it just changed the whole game for me. It's like, oh, okay, now I see it. You know what I mean? Is that yeah, weird? they're not they're not better than you. They're just more clear than you. Yeah, more clear. I, I think clarity, that's such a great title for this. Clarity is the key driver of your e-commerce business. So so becoming clear by taking exactly just like you said, what are the steps? Identifying those key fields. And then do you weight them, those fields? Do you weight them based on value? Or are they equal value? All 12 on, um, or 11, I forget what you said, which one it was on eBay, 11 or 12. Do you weight them different or are each of them equal in value? This is a great question. So the way I do it is I'm, I present them. So I now have a private group. And in my group, I present what I think is valuable. And, and, and what will happen is it is always not what other people think is valuable. So that feedback is critical because, as an example, um, I think the number one metric that matters is what you net at the end of the day. If you woke up in the morning and Alexa was like, Stephen, yesterday you made $426, that's $10 less than the previous day, then you, you, that's a clear indicator, are you winning or losing? Hmm. That, num- that number is universal, right? But how you get to that number, you should be, you should be getting constant feedback because you don't know like I think that also this year I recognized I don't really know anything. And the people that I meet that are doing really well, they are even more aware of how they don't know anything. This sounds like an interesting concept, but the person I know that, that earns the most at a regular job, he's aware, he's actually aware of what he's leaving on the table. 
he knows like what's possible. And so, and what's possible is not, is, is you know, not even, is, is just so incredible what's actually possible. You can have like, you know, Kylie Jenner release lipstick and do 400 million in a year with one product that takes companies 50 years to build up a company to, to, to launch a lipstick that does that. She can do it with the power of social. That, that's what's possible on one, on one far, far end of it. So the process is when you're, com- you have to compare your processes. You, you have to ask other people, okay, here, here, here's a common example, which is what Cellhound is also trying to solve. You sell on three platforms. It sells on what platform? It sells on one. Now what? Okay, you get a piece of paper and you write down, okay, the next step is I have to end it on two other platforms so that I don't double sell. Then how do you end it on two of those platforms? If you were to write it down, the steps, just doing that, now you can, you can instead of trying to remember how to do it, when you sell something on one platform, you open up your notebook and follow those steps to end it on the other two platforms. Then... If you want to take that to the next step, you either go online and look for a solution like Cellhound that does it for you, or you you post the this job description online and say, somebody build me something that can do this. Hmm. And they will tell you this. So here's another thing. There's a guy that um, char- wanted to charge me $185 an hour to do something. And I said, okay, I actually don't know I don't know exactly what it is I'm asking for. Um, I'm looking. I, I want it to do. I want it to do this process, but I don't know if that's even what I really want. So how about I'll pay you $185, and you tell me how you would approach it. Oh. Okay. Instead, because and I'll just pay for one hour because I don't even know what I'm looking for. So he said, "Great." So he said, "This is what I would do. First of all, I would read the documentation of the program that you're trying to use for it." So I said, okay, I want to execute this command. When I get an email, I want it to do this. I want it to open up a program. That's what I was trying to do. So he, so he basically said he would go to the Gmail instructions and say, how, how can you set up an automatic action in your email? And there are tons of tools that do this. So there were different tools. So what I wanted is an email to come in from PayPal um, or Amazon Merchant Fulfilled or Poshmark or whatever, email to come in and it would trigger ending it on the other platforms. Okay, I wanted that incoming email to do that. From all these different systems because they come in as long as the language or there's a table to convert it so it has keywords in it, mm -hmm. you're then would say, then do this. That was the concept you were thinking. That, That was the concept. So I don't, but I didn't know exactly. And if you don't know exactly, they can't build it for you. So I said, no problem. I'll pay you 185. How would you approach this? And he said, okay, the first thing I would do is read the documentation on Gmail. How can you exercise an action? So then I, so I'm like, okay. And then he said, after I read the documentation, I would write down the the desired result that you want from these different platforms. And um, once you document what you want to happen, and then you read through the documentation um, on what can cause us to do that? Then um, you come back to me. And he basically only billed me for half an hour for basically just a brief conversation. But I was able to, so I, I, I listened to that. So I went to, the G, I went to Gmail and I read through the documentation on how, how can 
an action cause something? When can you start an action? And there are a few different ways it could happen. And I solved my own problem because one of the ways is you can have it open up an email on a timer. So for example, at 9 a.m., right, when you open your computer, you could have your computer open up Gmail, go to the first email, open it, and open up a little reminder that says, Stephen, make sure that you only look at an email one time. Email comes in, archive it, delete it, or do the action immediately. Like you can set up your computer so when you turned on, when you opened it in the morning, it reminded you this is how you handle your email, right? So once I figured that out, I was like, wow, I can just have a check for sales every hour. I don't need it automatically because it's not that time sensitive. I don't have sales happen on multiple platforms immediately right after each other. They happen during the same day maybe, but not right away within the same hour. So me having that open every single hour um, basically prevented 90, 97 to 99% of double selling from happening so because you, every hour is doing that. Well, as I'm sitting here listening to this, I immediately go to this is the whole approach, right? So you're going to tell me that this application that he taught you how to think like that, you're now able to apply to everything that you're basically doing. I mean, to me, I'm sitting back and saying to myself, oh, yeah, you know, obviously break down the steps, get them tested, right? This is the advice you give. So break down your steps, Steve steps, mm -hmm. give them mm -hmm. to somebody you respect who's pretty good, let them mm -hmm. question you why, take the emotion out of it, accept them. If they make sense, test it, make sense. However, the missing piece of that formula is the desired results. And then working backward from there, I mean, that's just, that's a complete way of thinking. So... Are you then applying this to every piece of your business? Is that one of the big secrets of how you've become so successful? I'm actually applying it even to my wedding that's coming up next year. I'm trying to figure out the desired. Um, for example, um, I, I love Scrum and these software things for deciding what's important. So you rank like caterer, photographer, venue. Uh, okay, these are the things that are supposed to make a good wedding then we rank them in importance because we have a fixed budget. So it's like we can't have everything. So what's more important? We can um, reduce certain other things. So for example, in reselling, there are different steps, finding items, listing items, photo photographing items. You could be sending items in the Amazon. You could be doing accounting. There's, in my opinion, there's like nine different categories of things that you do when you resell. You can choose what you enjoy doing uh, or can tolerate doing and then give the rest of it to other people if you want to scale. And I also want to just point out one more thing, which is I, I know how to make probably 200 to 300 grand reselling just solo. But I'm not interested in that because I don't like driving around and I don't like spending all my day sourcing and that's it. I, like to, I, I don't like working by myself. When I first started reselling and I first met you, I was – I was enjoying it at first, but then it became too much of a grind. I noticed that I prefer working in a group of people and I'm okay with a lower margin because I, I'm okay and a higher volume to make up for it. I'm okay with that. Those are sacrifices you can only figure out once you start doing it. But there are plenty of people who mock me that are like, why would I want to work for that low of margin? I can just do it myself. And that's totally a reasonable argument. You can. I just don't want to do it by myself. 
So that self well, back to Gary Vee. I mean, we seem to yep. bring him up a lot. That self awareness yep. of knowing that that, and I think this this kind of started the conversation, which was, hey, look, you can create. In your your example was Amazon, where you you know you're not producing the product, you're not selling the product, you're not talking to your customers, and you can have success. If that's your lane, if that's the life you enjoy, if that's what you like, good for you. But that's not you. You were clear in that, right? I'm clear in that because there's hmm. what, you know, this, um, I'm also a student of this, uh, fire, which is financially independent, retire early school of thought, which is you earn what you need for the rest of your life as soon as possible. And then even that, that, that actually really brought into my, brought, brought, um, priorities into my mind because there are people that are 25 and have already amassed, let's say $2 million and, the 25 times your income means if they spend less than 40 grand a year, they can live off of the interest forever, hmm. right? Or, or you know, in this such scenario, it's actually 80,000 a year. But my point is, then what do you do with your time? Right. You're not going to sit on the beach You're not sipping gonna sit on Mai Tais, right? Because that's, that's a dream we all believe that would be great. Nobody's going to do that. You can't sustain that. And I also want to share, I have a lot of ideas today. Um <laughs> I went to a museum with, with my fiance as a potential um, wedding venue. And we walked through an exhibit for one of the main designers for uh, Ehrman Miller, and they make um, office furniture. Yeah, they don't and get, they're really nice office furniture. Really, really nice office furniture. And, one of the, and the designers, it was interesting because um, what was on exhibit was this gentleman's home. How did he design his house for work? And he basically designed his life around work. He's like, I already made plenty of money. So, but what I enjoy doing is working. So I removed everything out of my life that wasn't work because I enjoy work and family and that's it. So his workshop at home was just like incredible. And it's like, he got to wake up and walk into his wonderland because he designed an amazing place to work, which is, you know, there's so much, um, animosity towards the nine to five today. Um, I think people are kind of getting lost when, you know, some people design their entire life around it, their desired nine to five. Hmm. But it, he takes it very seriously. I, I think, uh, you know, that's a Dan Miller quote to me when I was at Dan Miller's place and his office is impeccable. And he goes, well, Steve, this is my sanctuary. You know, that's I right. want to come here and feel good about what I do. Um, we were just cleaning up from Q4. I mean, we had so much cardboard to get rid of, you know, just we couldn't get to it during, you know, the rush. And so we were just, it's so rewarding working on that stuff in your business now. It's like, it's like pressure being taken off. You know, Chris, I sit back and I think about our discussion and I'm, I'm going to take away this. You know, you are still a process engineer and you don't, that's not an offensive term to you. That's a, probably a badge of courage for you. But I appreciate the fact that you're taking that learned, fine-tuned approach to every aspect of your life, back to your health, back to your mental health, back to your business, back to your relationship, back to your wedding, making sure that she's taken care. I mean, and this is just applicable mm -hmm. to every single thing that we're doing in our business. Okay. All right. So I want to close with this. All right. So the best advice that you could give somebody and, oh, before I do daily refinement is your YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yes. Other ways, if somebody has a follow-up comment, can I put your Facebook contact in there? They can. Okay. That's I'll great. put that there too. Um, and again, daily refinement on uh, YouTube. 
Um, and you'll, if you go back and look, you'll see that he has clearly refined his, it, he's not just talking out his uh, other end. He's literally refined his techniques and, and you're the, one of the first people to admit, hey, this wasn't working, I had to fix this, or I, I got blocked or whatever, and now I'm gonna fix this. So I think that's very healthy. So let's give real advice the best advice you think for somebody who hits the point of stuck, because that's what I get as I get people that are stuck and they're like, Steve, I can't get past this. What should I do? What's your best advice? Okay. I'm going to go a little different route that I normally do with this one. So I think the most important thing you can do is journal. Hmm. And I think that you should consolidate all your notebooks into one legal pad. <laughs> because if you, if you um, do, if you're like me, you, you like going uh, and you're weird. You like going to Office Depot and a new notebook and a new pen sounds exciting to you. Um, I would recommend not doing that because in every form of high productivity that I have seen, people have a way of easily reviewing their notes. So if you can just get a legal pad for a dollar and um, write all your stuff on there every day and keep the same one until it's full, you, you'll have a piece of treasure with you. Uh, and I, that's one of my goals in the next couple of days before the new year is to consolidate everything in the one notebook um, and just use that all year because um, that's your that's your your life. Your life is what you write down. That's what you're doing is your life. Um, and I just I think that's how you create the self-awareness and to see, you know, when you go back and read it, you can determine, wow, I was building a ladder up the wrong tree. You'll actually be able to know what tree you were, you know pointing at. So I think journaling on a legal pad, don't be fancy. Uh, I think even a notepad where there's a cover is like one more step. You have to open it to, to get, to get going, you know, just reduce it to the bare minimum pen legal pad. And then just, just start writing down what you do. Dude. Oh my God. I can't wait to see what you do next. I'm, I'm a, a loyal watcher who's learning every single time I watch something. And man, I'm just a better person for it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Wish you nothing but success. Thank you, Steve. Such a great guy. Such a, a real talent. Um, very, you know, I, I just honestly, uh, I, I think he is a talent at what he does. Um, and I don't care if he was selling e-commerce or if, if he was a janitor or janitorial. He would execute it better than most of us, Steve. And so I just think that taking this approach, being honest with yourself, slowing down and executing what you're doing better, keep fine-tuning it and let somebody else look at it and be willing to accept the criticism because there will be criticism. But if the criticism's done in the right way to help build you up rather than tear you down, you can move on from there. And again, I just think it's a, a great example. Check them out on Daily Refinement on YouTube. Um, it gives out tons of free information. Just lots of it. And I learn something every single time I watch them. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at EcommerceMomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.